0: UTC Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis, 20 years of intelligent talk.
1: With SRN
2: News, I'm Jason Walker. Leading Democratic senator says he will not vote for his party's overhaul of the U.S. election law. Correspondent Ken Lorman reports.
3: Senator Joe Manchin is defying his party and the White House and virtually guaranteeing the failure of the legislation after a nearly party-line approval in the House, Manchin writes in a home state newspaper that, quote, "...voting and election reform that is done in a partisan manner will all but ensure partisan divisions continue to deepen."
2: Numerous ceremonies Sunday commemorating the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landing that led to the liberation of Europe from German occupation. June 6, 1944, more than 150,000 Allied troops landed on code name
0: beaches carried by 7,000 vessels. This is SRN News. This week in the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. We hear from the head of the NIH on their grant that led to the funding of the Wuhan lab in China.
4: Should we just close up and say we're just not going to work with any country we're uncomfortable with?
0: Join us for our program. Sign up for our podcast at townhallreview.com. Every Saturday evening at 7 and Sunday nights at 11. Here on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio.
3: Your forecast for today is sunny and breezy with a high of 94 moving in the partly cloudy and a low of 74 for tonight. Tomorrow hopped in a high of 93 moving in the mostly clear and a low of 72. Father's Day is coming fast and wouldn't it be a treat if you won $1,000 for Pops? He could use it for some auto parts or tools he needs, put it towards his favorite hobby or maybe even a family camping trip. You can register once a day and it's free. Also, it only takes a moment to sign up. So visit the Freedom Fan Club page today. This is AM 1280 The Patriot.
0: The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is The
2: Closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson, back with our new hour number two of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. Thank you, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow, that's hashtag N-A-R-N Show, for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow along on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give us a like if you haven't already. And by the way, we are live streaming the broadcast. I failed to mention that earlier. Uh, right now at the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Not so much because you want to see my ugly mug, but more of the fact that we have another uh, another area, another platform for you to opine, uh, leave a comment or question, what have you. Uh, I did get an update on the Ham Lake situation. Uh, thank you to Candace, uh, uh, who was viewing the live stream. Indicated that the mayor of Ham Lake responded last week by saying they were going to throw a pig roast in response to PETA. I had not heard that. <laughs> So I appreciate that, uh, Candace. Thank you for that information. You know, at Tam Lake, very staunchly conservative area. That's kind of how I thought they'd respond. So kudos to them for that. Uh, we do want to move on to some other uh, issues, particularly national issues. And uh, joining us right now is uh, John Gabriel. He is the editor-in-chief at Ricochet. Check out their fine website, ricochet.com. John also uh, occasionally contributes to his home state's newspaper, the Arizona Republic. Want to bring John on specifically to talk about the uh, crisis at the southern border, specifically the Arizona Mexico border, because obviously John living in Arizona, intimately familiar with what's going on down there. And also uh, wrote a piece in the Arizona Republic this past week, talking about his state's two U S senators, uh, senators Kelly and cinema, both Democrats, uh, Openly and adamantly opposing President Biden's approach to the crisis down at the southern border, and it is a crisis regardless of the spin that comes out of the White House and our various mainstream media outlets. Uh, and again, one of our—he's uh, fastly becoming one of our favorites because he's uh, such a pleasure to to talk to and a lot of insights on uh, myriad topics. Because he is the undisputed king of stuff, John Gabriel. John, good to have you on the broadcast again, sir. How are you? Great to be on Brent how you doing I'm doing well, thanks so much and uh, by the way, I was remiss in not mentioning uh, john's podcast, which uh, I have become a regular listener of as well. It is called the King of Stuff. uh You can listen to it wherever you find your favorite podcast uh John, as I mentioned at the outset, I obviously want to talk about the situation uh down at the southern border again, your two senators uh that you wrote uh, wrote about at the Arizona Republic this past week openly defying the Biden administration in his Uh, approach to the border. Uh, From what from your perspective, John, has this had uh, any impact on the Biden administration or um, do you feel this is just merely lip service at this point? I mean, what more can they do by other than, you know, adamantly objecting to which they are uh, doing quite frequently, John Gabriel?
4: Well, uh, for a long time, first out, uh, I wanted to say hello from my Vikings loving wife um i'm a packers fan myself so it's a mixed marriage
2: i did know that yes
4: (laughs) your prayers are appreciated but uh since i'm talking to the great northern alliance here um as far as the border goes i've always been a long believer in watch what a politician does not what they say sure and uh senator mark kelly and senator kirsten cinema have both uh been very strong against biden and it hasn't been kind of the mealy-mouthed um language that you would usually hear. Basically, the same night that Biden gave his big speech to the joint session of Congress a couple months back. I think that was in April. Um, the only comment Mark Kelly made was blasting him on the border. He's not doing enough. He's not solving it. Kirsten Sinema did the same thing. And to her credit, Kirsten Sinema advanced legislation, and I'm sure under Chuck Schumer it won't go anywhere. Sure. But she pushed forward um, border control legislation bipartisan with John Cornyn of Texas. And they've also uh, joined in with Arizona's Republican governor, Doug Ducey, uh, to send National Guard troops to the border. Uh, They uh, jointly agreed with his declaration of emergency on the border. And uh, basically he has made a lot of uh, Arizona National Guard members uh, sent down to the border just to help out. Mostly they're going to be doing the admin-type work or neighborhood patrols while uh, the sheriff's offices down there actually are on the border. So they've actually been active, and uh, to their credit, too, it's not like they've just issued a press release. They've been on local radio (laughs) and uh, TV interviews, TV news, um, and you can kind of see the the behind-the-scenes thing. uh, You know when they have asked for an interview rather than just an interviewer putting them to wear them down. But um, it seems like coordinated messaging saying, hey, Biden, fix the border, fix the border. We need help here. So right now it's only words, but they are doing moves behind the scenes to show they're serious about it. And frankly, they need to be if they would like to be reelected.
2: Yeah. And I, I think one of the things you brought up in your in your piece in, Arizona, in the Arizona Republic as well, and I did have the opportunity to listen to your podcast with uh, uh, Lacey Cooper, who I believe works out of the U.S. Attorney's Office down there in, in Phoenix. Yep. Do I have her credentials right? Yeah. Yep. Sure do. Uh, and I uh, the indication was that, look, this was put on blast um, during the Trump administration when it was ascertained that children were being separated from their families and, you know, place in holding centers. They call, you know, of course, the famous phrase the kids in cages and nobody is excusing that. Nobody can think that that is at all morally acceptable. But I believe that all started from, I think there was an initial photo. Wasn't that published in the Arizona Republic, an initial photo of teenagers in cages? Yeah. And it turns out it was from 2014, John Gabriel. Do exactly. I have that
4: right? It sure was. Yeah.
2: yeah it sure so, was. So, the cover- so I guess my point in saying that the coverage of this was just put on blast during the Trump administration. Again, not to say that it doesn't deserve that kind of coverage. It absolutely does. We need to shine a light on this kind of thing. But I think, I don't think anybody can argue that the situation down at the border is... Orders of magnitude worse than any time in the trump administration and it and it just isn't garnering the coverage that it did and it just seems like a very cynical contrived uh narrative that the media is putting forth and again further eroding our trust in that institution, John Gabriel,
4: yeah, yeah, and you can't really deny what's going on um what the government does is they track what they call Southwest land border encounters is their dry efficient <laughs> bureaucracies for what's okay. going on down there. Yeah. Um so uh between January and April alone there were over half a million of these encounters. Mm. Um the entire twenty twenty fiscal year, so that's twelve months instead of three months or four months, um there's only four hundred thousand. Wow. And uh this five hundred and thirty thousand number uh that we've experienced over those four months um, it's totally unprecedented you go back i went back through the records that uh border patrol agencies and u.s government figures and it's just this staggering amount of uh, people crossing the border and the thing about trump i feel like every time i mention trump or anyone else does whether you love him or hate him but the, the thing is he negotiated with the government of mexico to hold these people in place in mexico and uh, somebody who's been furious that the border is not being patrolled properly under Biden is the president of Mexico. He's mm. furious at uh, he he worked well with Trump. They had a great agreement. Um, you know, Trump gave him support to keep those people, to house those people, to treat them ethically, and things. He's like, look, we just can't take them within our borders. And uh, why Mexico is very upset about this as well? Most of these people crossing the border are not from Mexico. They are from Central America and points beyond. You have people fleeing genuine oppression like in Venezuela, but then you'll have people coming in from various European countries, uh, ISIS, uh, formerly ISIS-connected countries. um, All over the world, uh, you know, they have found... Pakistani uh, young males uh, coming through the border and, you know, catching two out of a group of 20 or something like that. And I'm sorry, this is very concerning, and it really doesn't matter what you think about immigration. Most of us got here because our parents immigrated here. Uh, mine are good um, very good, uh, very quiet Finnish stock, I might add. Okay. And uh, another <laughs> shout-out to Minnesota. And uh, I'm sure when they came over, they were the dregs of the nation, and we just like, oh, my gosh, these people have skills. But they went through the correct process. Sure. Um, you know, you know I, I always say I have no problem with you coming here, but you, could you please sign the guest book on the way in? We're not asking for too much here. And it's very good uh, not only for Republicans who are tough on the border – but for Democrats as well, if they want to get elected, they're going to need to get this under control, especially they've seen some gains in Arizona, as we've seen. We have the first time we've had uh, two Democratic senators in, I think, 75 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: but those were squeakers. Those were both very close contests. Right. Biden won by just a handful of votes here. So um, if they want to keep in power, they got to keep the border under control because No one cares about immigration as an issue until there's a crisis, and right now there's a crisis, and uh, basically the only negative territory for the past several months in um, approval ratings for Joe Biden has been on immigration, has been on the border, and uh, they better watch out for this because the press might want to hide it. People are noticing, especially in border states.
5: Yeah,
2: and, and and I think you also pointed out in your uh, in your Arizona Republic piece. It, this is doing no. You know, we we hear about Joe Biden talked about as you know, it's it's good to have a civility and compassion back in the White House. Um, but with the conditions you just described, John Gabriel, and the the and well, I mean, you also referred to the Democrat debates too, where people not only were. Uh, promising to make illegal border crossings a civil, not criminal, offense. You had some that he were trying to out-radicalize each other. I mean, wasn't there one candidate in particular that promised free health care to these uh, illegal immigrants, oh, John yeah.
4: Gabriel? And then by the next debate uh, held by, uh, it was led by Jorge Ramos, of Yeah,
2: um,
4: he ended up doing raising hands. Who wants to give free health care to illegal immigrants? And everybody just was kind of shamed at raising their hand. I think it was... Uh, Uh, Was it Julian or Joaquin Castro? I think it was Julian Castro who ran, and he was promising – this was his big issue that America needed to get on top of. He was promising free abortions to trans men, illegal immigrants. Wow, like, okay, that's a, that's quite a, a specific niche group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a voting constituency that, man, he must have had an insightful polling to realize this is what's going to carry me to the top. But for some reason, he didn't win that race.
2: No, no, no. no. Well, and again, I bring that up because, again, we hear about, well, we have compassion back in the White House. Uh, you know, again, if you're kind of... You know, and it, whether you intended it for it to be or not, these are kind of little carrots you're dangling toward these people that make an effort to cry, try to cross the border and uh, kind of the desert region region down in the Arizona-Mexico border, and say, Mayor June John Gabriel, not the most uh, con, uh, not the most conducive for trying to make a mad dash uh, across. Uh, it just, it, it. I mean, I think you could probably testify to this. Probably results in sadly. A lot of people dying,
4: try to trying
2: to get across.
4: Absolutely, and that's um, this has been something I've written about and I've banged on about, and nobody uh, on the left seems to want to admit or realize or just just say, "Yeah, you're right on this." A lot of these pushes for immigration were performed in the past. Many pushed by our former senator uh, John McCain.
5: Mm-hmm. He would
4: start promoting these things in about May, and then argue them all summer long about, "We need amnesty. We need greater liberalization on the border." You can agree or disagree with the policy, but starting that kind of talk in May um, on a southern border, just as summer is beginning, uh, you just have floods of thousands of illegal immigrants trying their chances, saying, hey, I bet we're going to get amnesty soon. Let me pay this coyote who's promised I will get amnesty, he lied, and uh, pay them thousands of dollars uh, to get me into America. They're dumped in the middle of the desert. And uh, if anybody's driven from... You say Phoenix to San Diego, you go across that Arizona desert, it's tough to drive across. It's so monotonous and mm. hot, and it's just like the the worst part you could imagine of an Arizona desert in the middle of the summer. There's like hundreds of miles they need to cross with no roads. There's almost no population whatsoever. Some go through um, Indian communities. Others are just, um, you know, really parts of land that have never been used up because there are, isn't water there and things like that you have entire families, you know, who die out there, and they find their bodies, and it's just horrifying. Uh, And uh, for people to say, well, this is compassionate, we're being nice to them. No, you are being utterly cruel to these people, dangling false hope in front of them, and having them risk their lives, especially sending their own children unaccompanied across the border only to be preyed upon by human traffickers, drug dealers, cartels control the coyotes out there. You know, basically uh, coyotes will need to pay a fee to the, local cartel boss to even uh, conduct his illegal activity you're empowering crime you're empowering human suffering and this is not kind this is not compassionate Um, i'm all for making legal immigration more streamlined more efficient uh, less wasteful, because i'm sure the government is wasting so much money on this Um, but we need to get people in safely and soundly and under some kind of law and order it's not too much to ask
2: we're joined uh this segment by John Gabriel. He, the editor-in-chief at ricochet.com. Check out their fine work at that website. And he's also an op-ed contributor at uh, the Arizona Republic. You can check out uh, his occasional works, azcentral.com. Uh, John, we need to take a quick break. Are you able to hold for just one more segment with us? Yes, sir. Okay. We'll be back with uh, John Gabriel, one final segment. And if you'd like to weigh in on any of the topics we're discussing, well, the one topic we're discussing thus far is 651 289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Brad Carlson, the Closer, coming back with another segment with John Gabriel. Go nowhere.
1: you think that people would have a silly love song. Whoa. Look at all these options.
0: You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include AM1280ThePatriot.com, our free app, and Radio.com.
1: Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on. Uh, Gene? Who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery
6: renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the
1: legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot.
7: Temperatures are rising. What will help you feel comfy and cool all summer long? A giant glass of iced tea, a fruity popsicle, a swim in the lake, or $850 in instant savings on a new air conditioner or ductless system from Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Take advantage of the Standard Heating Summer AC Sale. Instantly save $850 off a new AC unit or ductless system. These savings are here to keep you feeling cool and comfy all summer long. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is a family-owned and operated business with 91 years of serving the seven-county metro, servicing over 500,000 homes. Take advantage of these summer savings on an AC or ductless system. Ask your sales rep about these amazing June savings. Hurry, these offers end June 30th. Go to standardheating.com for more details. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, providing the comfort you deserve since 1930. That's standardheating.com. Mention the Patriot. standardheating.com.
6: Once you try a Patriot Burger,
3: you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at
0: RackshackBarbecue.com. Get
6: that. Shack attack. Shack Barbecue.
0: You listen every day. I never miss it. So now it's time for you to join the conversation. Who me? Like AM1280 the Patriot on Facebook and share your thoughts with like-minded conservatives. You can also enter to win prizes, learn about upcoming events, and more.
2: Welcome back. AM of The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag NARNShow for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Continuing our discussion with John Gabriel. He, the editor-in-chief at Ricochet. Check out their fine work, ricochet.com. And be sure to check out his podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just do a search for King of Stuff, and you'll find his uh, podcast, which he's kicking out, seems like, about once a week or so. So we appreciate John's contributions to this program, as always. Uh, John, kind of just to um, bounce a little off a little bit about what we left off last segment, uh, talking about how uh, some of these uh, folks come across the deserts trying to sneak into the country particularly in May and June and these just insufferably hot conditions, with, which aren't very conducive to driving, much less trying to uh, slag across to try to get across the U.S. border. And you had indicated how, you know, the cartel is heavily invested in that and how coyotes to, you know, try to bribe these people to you know, obviously pay them pay them off in order to get them across the border. And what was most frightening about this debate, if you remember, the, I think it was the final presidential debate between then-President Trump and Joe Biden when, Uh, the President uh, President Trump invoked the uh, the description, uh, coyotes, you know, the nickname that are given to these people, sneak immigrants across the border. Twitter just exploded, thinking that that was some sort of degrading, denigrating name for these children's parents. I mean, how ill-informed does the public become on the border if they don't even know the basic terminology of what's going on down there, John Gabriel?
4: I know. I, I was so, I was confused for a while because people were acting offended by the term coyotes, and it took me a while to say, Wait, wait, wait! They do not know what that term means. Have they never seen any? Gosh, watch a cop show that covers border issues once in a while. You should have that figured out. Um, yeah, it's almost as bad as them talking about uh, certain guns and what's an assault weapon and what is. Oh, you know. No, you. Worried about machine gun revolvers and I don't know, fully automatic clips and uh, the the rest of it. It's just crazy.
2: <laughs> well, well, uh, again, the, I. I and this is an this is an indictment on the media and this is something i think you referred to in your piece as well because you know trump can't be figure a to kind of uh you know throw the rhetorical darts at they just don't seem all that heavily invested or interested in covering the story and i think you know that that's kind of where we're at in in this particular situation we kind of transition to the next story about uh you know about the uh freedom of information act that was put out to try to get insights into uh dr anthony fauci's emails you know at the beginning of the pandemic uh it seemed like that the lab leak theory that was put forth by then president trump was just dismissed as just trump throwing out fantastical conspiracy theories and now when even someone like white house correspondent john carl saying yeah you know what i think there might be a few people with kind of egg on their face to summarily dismiss that uh, so quickly uh Uh, I guess along those lines, John, did you have an opportunity to look through some of the or read the stories on some of these emails? And what was your kind of general impression of what we discovered?
4: Yeah, I read through some of them. And especially with the lab lake theory, it's one of those things that it was so obvious that it was a possibility. And that's basically what people, the most prominent was Senator Tom Cotton. You know, he didn't say, all right, this is a secret experience. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you all about this crazy conspiracy out of China where they released this intentionally. What he said is, it's kind of strange. There's wet markets all over China, frankly, all over that part of Asia, and uh, the one that this uh, super killer virus emerges from happens to, uh, you know, share the parking lot basically with one of the top virology labs Mm -hmm. on Earth. You know, this is not crazy um, as a suggestion. It's just obvious. And uh, then for people to say, well, it's racist to say there was a lab leak, and that never confused me. It seems like it's far more racist to say oh, it's just because these wet markets are so filthy and everybody loves eating bat soup. It's like, to me, that seems a lot right. more condemnatory than saying, no, you have scientists at one of the top virology labs on Earth and somebody messed up. You know, this is uh, We know that our government is often incompetent. I'm sure the Chinese government is as well. This is not a far-fetched theory. and um, But the press has just figured that Anthony Fauci, uh, just like Governor Cuomo in New York, they were a convenient cudgel to bash Donald Trump with. So everything they said was the gospel truth, and every um, one attacking them was obviously, I don't know, a Russian agent or something like that. Um, they view these things in stark black-and-white terms, and it kind of reveals how just kind of silly and provincial they are. Now <laughs> they're all trying to walk this back and say, well, it's Trump's fault we said this was a crazy conspiracy. Why did he have to endorse this theory? okay, guys, you've got to set aside the person of Donald Trump and report the news and look into the facts. It was never an outlandish theory. And to treat it as such only you know, further corroded this uh, very, very weak trust of the American people, left, right, or independent, have of our national press. They're just constantly uh, sticking their foot in their mouth. They're constantly shooting themselves in the foot. And um, everybody knows what they're doing, and that's why the ratings, especially of CNN, or just continue to
7: plummet.
2: Yeah, I, I think the thing that that always bothered me throughout this pandemic is Dr. Fauci just seemed to take basically every side of every single solitary issue and never made a definitive stance. Or when it was ascertained by other scientists, because you know the the thing that we value about science is is the diversity of opinion, and that's what always bothered me about. Well, the science, you know, we got to trust the science, trust the science, trust the experts, into which we always say, which experts? I mean, it always seemed as though we wanted to politicize this to the point, well, we want to trust the scientists who reaffirms our uh, political uh, biases naturally. And if Anthony Fauci, the things he's saying flies in the face of what President Trump is saying, well, that's the guy who's kind of held up in high regard. And it, it it's now that we look back and the things that he was saying, but weren't communicating properly, is it just a situation, in your opinion, John, that you know, he's not a politician, rather a scientist, and just wasn't adept at speaking what was going on, or was it just because he was taking every single solitary side of the issue?
4: I think he is a person who has learned to survive in Washington, D.C. He's been at the CDC for decades now, and um, if you've ever dealt with government officials, many of whom are fine people, <laughs> good friends who work for small as well as large governments, um this is how you survive uh when you're in a massive bureaucracy when you want to make sure your funding isn't cut uh, isn't cut right you say yes sir to whatever anyone around you is saying you hedge your bets um you try to protect your rear end basically and just to shut down the country because uh some of the most radical Uh, predictions and uh, false computer models uh, said we should. Mm. Uh, Again, we can't. This is why you need everybody involved. You need job creators involved. You need Chamber of Commerce's around the country. You need um, politicians who care about economic issues, about general public health and mental health, which suffered during this uh, mass lockdown and what I think was a hysteria about a dangerous disease, a deadly disease, but one that did not threaten every man, woman, and child in this country. It it threatened very specific people, and we should have focused on protecting them. But uh, I I think Fauci, too, uh, just kind of being a a paper shuffler in D.C. for so many years, he loved the celebrity. He liked getting little voting Mm candles where he was seeing Fauci. He loved being on the cover of Major Magazine. Gosh, they put him on the cover of everything but Playgirl, and thank (laughs) the Lord for that. But... It's just one of, the, one of these things where he's like, wow, I am special. And, and I think that's why a lot of these people with the CDC, now that things are wrapping up, now that people are getting back to their normal lives somewhat, they're still trying to hype the panic because they're like, wait, 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 pay attention to me still. Um, guys, it, it's pretty much over. Uh, and basically the only people who get well with this, I think, are big pharma, the big villains coming out with the vaccine. Yeah, John, um, I, we, I hate we to... want to get on with the
8: life. Yeah,
2: sorry to cut you off, but we do have one of those horrible heartbreaks. Appreciate your time as always, sir, and uh, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk again soon. Appreciate it.
4: Great.
5: I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years.
1: I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea.
5: At first, I thought it was what I was eating.
1: I kept thinking it was stomach issues.
5: So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It was actually EPI.
1: Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food.
5: It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools.
1: And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions, like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease.
5: So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening.
1: But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could I I have have EPI?
5: EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. Warning. Warning.
6: Warning.
8: And cyberspace. And I
3: am
0: proud to be a member and of And I'm you. proud to serve in the United and States. And I am proud
3: to protect our
0: country.
6: Proud to serve in the U.S. Air
5: Force Reserve.
8: AFreserve.com Welcome
2: back. I'm right AM
6: 1280,
2: The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio right Network, with me, Brad Carlson. I so, I Apologize for that, folks. I... I just sent our uh, guest John Gabriel text message apologizing for those awkward heartbreaks. Hey, we got to hit him. we just got to hit him. And he understands. He guest hosts occasionally uh, for some of our Salem affiliates. But, uh, again, I want to uh, encourage you to check out John's work at Ricochet.com. And wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, Jeff, definitely check out The King of Stuff. It has become appointment listening for me. Again, he puts out a podcast once a week. Definitely subscribe to it, again, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. John Gabriel, King of Stuff uh very good insights always has some power pack guests on he's pretty well connected so he has the he has the uh good guests uh relevant guests as well so we appreciate uh, john's time he's always very generous with his time he certainly doesn't need to uh uh <clears throat> come on this little show uh whenever i reach out to him but he's not turned me down yet and i uh, always appreciate uh his generosity that is for certain even though he's a packers fan but i don't hold that against him absolutely not excuse me while i hit the cough button here did it work? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know. But uh, uh, anyways, want to move on to uh, other stories. In, uh, oh, Vincent, I see that Vincent called. Our friend Vincent asked, uh, was wondering about what your thoughts on kids having to wear masks in school are. Absurd. Kids are at very low risk, little to no risk for COVID. Uh, so the fact that they've ever had to wear them is absurd, but the fact that they're having to do it now Uh, Is genuinely absurd, Uh, but I I know a school teacher pretty intimately, and has indicated her principal is even uh, fed up with it. But says, look, there's only a few days left of school, the school year. Let's just get through the school year, and then we'll leave them behind next school year. But it is absurd, Vincent, in my opinion, and uh, the science indicates that as well. So there you have it. I did want to get to this interesting story uh, about. Congresswoman Tide Podavida, a.k.a. uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democrat congresswoman out of New York, kind of this cult of personality. Uh, The leftist millennials just love her because, you know, she's one of them, Uh, the youngest uh, woman ever to be elected Congress in history. Good for her. They look at her as kind of this savior that's going to go into Washington, this young, intelligent person to shake things up take on the old establishment that is uh, in Washington and make this impact for a progressive change and a progressive agenda. Well, this past week, it was, I guess, if my math is correct, Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, she put put out a tweet uh, with some pictures of her abuela's uh, home and it is a couple of pictures of it, and she said, this was the tweet, just over a week ago, my abuela fell ill. I went to Puerto Rico to see her my first time in a year, and because of COVID, this is her home. Hurricane Maria relief hasn't arrived. Trump blocked relief dollars for Puerto Rico. People are being forced to flee ancestral homes, and developers are taking them. And again, this is just, what she does, she politicizes an issue, you know, instead of, you know, actually looking to make substantive changes, politicizes an issue to try to score, obviously, political points. And uh, this was from Alipundin's, uh post at Hot Air. Uh, it was part of a thread blaming the Trump administration and a fiscal control board with which it partnered for the difficulty Puerto Ricans have had obtaining recovery funds. <clears throat> well, Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire responded to that tweet and said, you know, you, uh, you're you kind of doing okay now. You're living in luxury. I mean, you're constantly doing these Instagram and Facebook Lives, and you're living in luxury, and you drive a Tesla, but your grandmother is left to suffer in these squalid conditions. Hurricane Maria was, what, three, four years ago, I think it was? And it's a, tra- and it's a travesty how that was handled, in my opinion, not just by the Trump administration, uh, but by uh, local officials down there, too. Particularly the, um, was it the governor of uh, Puerto Rico? I forget the gal's name. She wore a T-shirt basically trolling Trump. So you have time to make a T-shirt to make fun of Trump, but you're, uh, you know, the Puerto, uh, Puerto Rico is suffering. Shouldn't you be, kind of be more focused on that? But I don't know. And he points us out the very obvious it's like wait a minute she's been living in these squalid conditions this whole time and you're making close to 200 grand as a congresswoman and you purchased a tesla you can't you can't afford to throw a few bucks her way and try to help her out with this what's the deal well shortly after matt walsh put out that tweet then congresswoman acacio cortez kind of said, well, okay, <clears throat> I want to be clear. While the Trump administration had a major role, it wasn't just them. The La Junta, local uh, policies, etc., were all on the same page, policies that pushed out local families. To turn this around, we need audits and get recovery relief to people ASAP without the onerous strings. And for the record, my abuela is doing okay. It's not about us, but about what's happening to Puerto Ricans across the island. She had a place to go and be cared for. What about the thousands of people who don't? Okay, well, that brings up another question. Why are you posting pictures of this dilapidated dwelling that your abuela supposedly lived in and it led people to believe that she was still there after three, three years after Hurricane Maria, that she was still made to live in these er- this little uh, dwelling? Don't you think people were going to get that impression she was still there by the way you framed that tweet and posted pictures of her home? Yeah, of course it was. That was that was the impression that she was giving out, but it backfired on her spectacularly. And that wasn't the end of the story. So Matt Walsh said, Well, you know what? Um, I'll take this a step further. Your abuela shouldn't have to live in those squalid conditions, you know. But if you want to live in luxury and ignore her needs, that's your prerogative. Here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna set up a GoFundMe page. And the donations that we collect are going to go to your abuela down in Puerto Rico, and she could use those funds to, you know, fix up her house, whatever. So Matt Walsh put out another tweet saying, As you heard, AOC's abuela is living in dilapidated home that was ravaged by Hurricane Maria. AOC is unable to help her own grandma for whatever reason, so I have set up this GoFundMe page to save her home. Please give, if you can, hashtag helpabuela. And Matt Walsh also posted those pictures that AOC posted, you know, and linked it to that GoFundMe page. Now, let's be honest. This was only set up as a high-profile troll job by Matt Matt Walsh. He's got a big following on Twitter. Obviously, the Daily Wire, very popular website, one of the more popular conservative websites out there. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to respond. And sure enough, there was there ended up being close to $100,000 that was raised for AOC's grandmother to help fix up her home. Now, here's the thing. If you're familiar with GoFundMe pages, you know that if you donate to the cause and the recipient, the intended recipient, doesn't want the money or turns away the assistance, you get refunded your money by GoFundMe. So it's certainly possible that a number of conservatives knowing that AOC is just a vacuous political hack was probably going to turn this away because her little uh, stunt backfired and her accepting the money would be an unwitting admission that, oh, yeah, you know what? Government is slow and inefficient. It's not just the federal government. It's the local uh, governments down down in Puerto Rico. Um, but this would be a tacit admission that people, the American public, American citizens, can get a lot more done and do it so a lot more efficiently than government can. Well, that would fly in the face of AOC's entire worldview, right? Because people like her, people of her ilk, Far-left progressive ilk, look at government as some sort of deity. They're the ones that are the be-all, the end-all. They're the ones that supply the needs for the people. They're the ones with the compassion. So, sure enough, a message came out from GoFundMe to Matt Walsh after it raised about $100,000. It said, we are in touch with the beneficiary's family, and they have made clear they will not be accepting the funds raised. When a beneficiary doesn't want to accept the funds that have been raised on their behalf, it is standard practice to turn off the donations, then refund all donors. We recommend posting an update on the fundraiser to let your donors know they will be fully refunded within the next couple of days. They will also receive an automatic message from GoFundMe informing them of their refund. They will get 100% of their donations back 3-7 to business days after the refunds are issued. Please let us know if you have any other questions. Regards, GoFundMe, trust, and safety team. So there you have it. A gesture that could have gone a long way. What do you think uh, AOC's grandmother could have done with that $100,000? And by the way, why don't you turn it back around? AOC's family accepts the money. Turn it around and, and give it to a progressive cause then. You know, to kind of troll back at the conservatives, so to speak. But then, your little plot would have also been further exposed. The fact that you tried to use your grandmother's difficulties to score political points and make a political statement. This isn't this new dynamic uh, uh, elected official politician we're talking about. This is just a classic Washington hackery and demagoguery that you get often from the left. She is no different than someone who has been in Congress in decades. They're just a little more savvy about doing it. Because when those who have been in Congress for decades, okay, and implement demagoguery, you know, to score cheap political points, they at least prepare for, okay, what would be the response to this? How could this possibly backfire me? But AOC doesn't have that kind of vision, apparently. See, for her, it's not about solving problems. For her, it's not about making a positive impact or positive change. Not really, because this so easily backfired on her. It showed that this flies in the face of your entire worldview, that government is the be-all, end-all. They're the savior. When you yourself point out government inefficiencies, so in order to help out with the government inefficiencies, you have private citizens come together to help out this citizen, this private citizen. And if that's more than AOC's abuela needed, Okay, guess what? She can siphon off those funds, use them as her discretion to help other people in her neighborhood. How many people, how many families would have been impacted by $100,000 in that area? A good number of them. See, this reminds me of when AOC spoke on some political issue. I don't remember what specifically it was, and Ted Cruz agreed with her on it. Ted Cruz said, yeah, you know, believe it or not, I agree with AOC on this. Well, AOC... Instead of accepting an ally, a staunch conservative ally from the other side of the political aisle and saying, yeah, Ted Cruz and I, we can come together and cobble together this legislation and see Washington still works. We can still implement bipartisan solutions to something. I think it was about having to do with lobbyists. Not 100 percent sure. It doesn't really matter. So how does she respond to Ted Cruz saying he agrees with her? Basically says, well, you need to sit this one out. You almost got me murdered on January 6th. You know, because Ted Cruz was one of the handful of Republican senators that were going to object to the uh, to Congress certifying the Electoral College's uh, votes, results of the 2020 election, that that in turn caused a bunch of Trump voters to storm the Capitol, and AOC's life was in danger, even though it was ascertained later that it wasn't. But she, being the penchant for drama, was going to play that up, because, again, cheap political points to be scored. So instead of saying you know what senator cruz and i disagree on a lot of things but you know what we can come together and bipartisan solutions can still happen let's move forward with this but nope she's got to she's got to put forth this personal animosity toward ted cruz so she's not all at all about solutions if it's if it's an opportunity to demagogue a situation whether it's demagogue her personal situation or her her Boila's personal situation, she's going to do it. And it has nothing to do with policy or implementing policy or implementing change or making positive change in Washington. She's no different than these decades-long politicians who play this, who, who peddle this crap. No different. And she was exposed. And... She can try to say, well, the family isn't accepting the, the, the donations. Well, then, okay, then it's very obvious. That is, that is an absolute unwitting admission, then, that your little stunt backfired. Because then she has to come out and say, well, <laughs> I mean, uh, my abuela's doing just fine. Really? Then why did you post pictures of her house giving off the impression that she still lives there? Wouldn't that have been an important distinction? Wouldn't it have been a said, you know what, even though my abuela doesn't live here, this house is our, one of our ancestral homes, is our ancestral home, owns a lot of very special memories, okay? It's a treasure for our family, and it still should be fixed up, even though she doesn't live here. That that would have been a, a, a fine distinction to make and still get your point across. But instead, you had to give the admission that this old woman is still suffering, and it backfired on her spectacularly, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. So, um Enjoy the hell you created, AOC, because uh, it backfired on you, and uh, like I say, it was well-deserved. And I don't doubt, again, this started out as a high-profile troll job, publicity stunt. You can agree or disagree whether that's the right route to go about it, but with $100,000 being raised, I would suspect there were enough people who said, you know what, that woman can't help who her granddaughter is. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll pitch in a few bucks. But it's been rejected and uh, uh, very uh, hilarious. Uh, the proverbial exploding cigar in the face, I guess you could call this, number of uh, analogies you could use here. 651-289-4488 four, four, eight, eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N-Show. Brad Carlson, the Closer, coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.
7: There's not a street that you
2: can walk.
1: This is a potter's field. When people can't pay for their funerals, they are buried here. It is a lonely, desolate place, littered with unmarked headstones. No one visits. No one leaves flowers. But it doesn't have to be that way. For as low as $1 a day, you can ensure your family will have the money to pay your funeral expenses. We offer burial insurance plans that pay up to $30,000. Considering the average funeral costs more than $10,000, that's peace of mind for your family. There are no medical exams, your rates won't increase, and your policy cannot be canceled as long as you make your premium payments. Call now to get approved in minutes and ensure your final resting place is more than just a pauper's grave in a potter's field.
0: 800-323-8137. 800-323-8137. 800-323-8137. That's 800-323-8137. Paid for by Final Expense Direct. Want to enroll your child in Christian school this fall for half
3: the cost? TwinCitiesTuitions.com is joined with area private schools to offer half-off tuition for your child's first year. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, you'll see our partnering schools, an interactive map to find one in your area, and frequently asked questions about the program. Now more than ever, it's important for your child to have a biblical worldview. Get details about the half-off Christian tuition program at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com.
0: Join the Patriot Freedom Fan Club for prizes, contests, quizzes, and more. Plus, get exclusive access to pre-sale tickets to events. It's free to join. So visit am1280thepatriot.com today. Do you ever feel like breaking down? Do you ever feel out of place? Like somehow you just don't belong and no one understands
2: Many, many a time, yes. yes. Oh, hey, we're on the air. AM 1280, The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network, just having fun. Sometimes I hear the song lyrics, and I'm like, this is speaking right to you. Thanks as always for tuning in, folks. Hey, speaking of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the best and longest conservative talk show in the Twin Cities, it just got even better. Please join us in welcoming friend of the show, Jack Tomzak, as now a member of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. He's run a successful podcast been a guest on air here and once served as the director of communications for the Republican Party of Minnesota. So he's no stranger to a microphone or politics. His debut show was yesterday. I got a chance to listen to uh, the first hour where he had on gubernatorial candidate Scott Jensen, as well as attorney Republican attorney general candidate Dennis Smith. Uh, hopefully one of those gentlemen can uh, break our long losing streak in statewide elections. But Jack is very well-connected, so I guarantee he's going to have some power pack guests on each and every week on his program. Listen every Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m., Yep, yeah, right after Mitch Berg on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Jack's show will be on, again, 3 to 5 every Saturday. And along with King Bannon, who could be heard on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. That is Saturdays 9 to 11. A.M. Together, we are the Northern Alliance Radio Network, often imitated, never duplicated. And there's no stop sign in front of us yet, folks. The first all-grassroots political talk show in the Twin Cities, dominating weekend political talk. Well, dominating weekend talk radio, for that matter. I mean, let's be honest. There is uh, there there's no substitute, that is for sure. And the fact that someone like Jack Tomczak, who once... Uh, was a co-host on morning drive time in the boutique radio station to have him here every Saturday. Uh, We're kind of creating our own super team, kind of like, you know, these NBA teams do where they get these three superstars and bring them together, you know, to form one super team. That's what we got here at the Northern Alliance radio network. There's no doubt about it. An already dominant weekend talk show got even is even that much more enhanced with Jack on the airwaves. So, Jack, welcome to uh, welcome to the Northern Alliance. Uh, very excited when Mitch and I got the text from him about a week and a half ago saying that he was going to uh, be joining the program. So, very excited to have him on. Like I say, he's very well-connected, and um, he's going to have some power pack guests on every Saturday. Uh, Jack and my radio careers kind of were run parallel a little bit. He was also kind of a fill-in host and then got a permanent gig at a radio station up where I live in Ramsey. Uh it was uh it was in the Bob building it was not on Bob 106 but it was in the building there was a frequency that was in there. He started in April of 2011 with the Late Debate he and Ben Crozy and my started this show as I was mentioning earlier uh a couple of months later. So our careers, you know, regular radio shows kind of got started at the same time. Of course he had, he his was five nights a week. You know, mine was always one day a week. So he was doing this every day. And then of course was with a boutique radio station for um a few years doing Uh, evenings and then morning drive time for a few years after that before leaving in 2016, again, doing podcasts. So he is a very much a welcome addition. And, uh, you know, we always kind of ribbed each other. It was good-natured ribbing, ribbing each other about uh, about radio shows and whatnot. And now we're on the same team, and that's a lot of fun, and we're going to look forward to having Jack out at our events, in-person events celebrating AM 1280, the Patriots, 20th anniversary as am 1280 the patriot now that the pandemic is pretty much in our rearview mirror i imagine we're going to start have some in-person gatherings i don't know anything so i'm not holding anything back from you folks but definitely stay tuned to am 1280 the patriot and be sure to check into our website am 1280 thepatriotcom and follow us on facebook as well uh, to keep up on events that are coming up because i guarantee you're not going to want to miss out that's all i can tell you Folks, I've enjoyed it as always. Again, AM twelve eight of the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Thanks as always for tuning in. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week.
8: Closing time. Tell me why relief factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain.
9: High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Minnesota knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Minnesota needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com.
0: Celebrating two decades on end.